The Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with Pat Brittenden. Behemoth, give me something hoppy. Oh, kia ora koutou whanau. Welcome to the Department of Conversation brought to you with Behemoth Brewing. Uh, the Behemoth Brewing Company can be found at behemothbrewing.co.nz. Go check them out, shop.behemothbrewing.co.nz if you'd like to check out their wares. Hey, welcome back to another uh, another edition. Is that what it's called? Another episode? Well, I don't know what fuck it's called. Um, and it's a it's an interesting one today. Uh, joining us is uh, comedian Alan McElroy, uh, award-winning comedian, actor, host, MC, writer, and uh, identifies himself as a quiz furor. He works with uh, people doing quizzes, doing quiz stuff. Um, and a really funny stand-up comedian, Irish. Just I just can listen to him speak all day long. Uh, you know, if I was so inclined, he could probably turn me. Um, and it was just an interesting time to have an interesting chat. Now, as you know, with this podcast, uh, I kind of almost feel like saying trigger warnings, but I don't think people who have trigger need trigger warnings probably listen to me. Um, we do all sorts of stuff on this podcast, and we talk about all sorts of things. So, uh, one of the issues that comes up at the moment is about societal standards that comes up in this podcast we have a bit of a good chat about it so i'd be interested in your feedback and your thoughts around that as well if you have any thoughts you want to share feel free to get in contact with us a really easy way to do that is through the facebook page facebook.com forward slash docnz also you you know that i've been talking about a dog and a puppy the last wee while well if you have a look on youtube or facebook at the video version of this uh this episode we have puppy cam set up nala cam because the dog uh, is just getting to a point where she's old enough to hang out with me in the studio. Uh, that involves things like a toilet training. And uh, yeah, she features on the video in this podcast, as well as towards the end of it, uh, when I try and pick her up and basically knock over my fridge and uh, lose a bunch of my vodka all over my carpet. So that's on the video footage if you want to check that out. It's, a, it's a, If you want to see what the dog's like and who she is and what she's doing as I watch her run out into the backyard from the studio, hoping she's not going to be lost forever. This episode was uh, in part brought to you by Betty Boys Coffee. Betty Boys Coffee is a new way for you to support podcasters and content creators. If you'd like to support the Department of Conversation, then you can head to bettyboy.nz slash doc to make your purchase. What we're basically saying is if you're a coffee drinker and you already buy ready uh, freshly roasted beans, that doesn't mean supermarket beans. That means if you're the kind of person who buys beans from uh, you know, a cafe, then come buy them from us. Uh, you kind of pay between... 12 and 16 bucks I think it is for 200 grams and I think a kilo is about $45 and that puts money straight into our account and helps us to keep making this podcast so if you enjoy the podcast uh, we're not looking for you to sign up to a Patreon and just give we're saying if you enjoy the podcast and you drink coffee buy some coffee from us uh, beardyboy.nz slash doc to get your Beardy Boy coffee and uh, yeah thanks for uh, trying us out alright uh, actor, comedian host, MC, writer all around interesting guy with a delightful Irish accent. It's Alan McElroy. Uh, enjoy. As we go live with New Zealand Irish comedian Al McElroy. Al, good afternoon to you and thank you for coming to the Department of Conversation. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So good to so good to have you on. I've got to say, I mean, uh, yeah, you're not aware of this yet, but obviously uh, Pat Patrick. Family calls me Patty. Mother's maiden name was Mulligan. Oh yeah, I could have literally been Patty Mulligan. The roots are deep yeah. in this one to the to the uh, homeland. So the accent in, in and of itself, as I could probably just sit here and listen to your chat away for for an hour, and it will just make me feel like I'm at home. Oh, that's good. I nearly lost it just before lockdown number one. I noticed I raised the end of a sentence, 
uh, to my mate and they said, that's it, your, your accent is gone. So lockdown in one way helped me regain the accent by overindulging on Irish media and movies just to make sure I got it back on track, but I was starting to lose it. Now you were just Briefly. saying you were just saying before we jumped on, and I think it's actually a really interesting place to start, is you haven't been doing too many Zoom calls recently and you have been reveling in the fact that you haven't had to do Zoom calls because you've been able to, you know, in part because of, you know, where COVID's at, but I think mostly because of living in New Zealand, able to meet with people face to face. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. The first gig back uh, after <clears throat> after the first lockdown. I think I hosted that weekend. All of us forgot how to speak to people and the audience <laughs> forgot how to be an audience. So they were so used to watching Netflix and whatever. And we were bricking it. Every like TV comedians, all of these different comedians uh, were terrified. But you kind of found your found your legs pretty quick and had to remind the audience that you're not at home. Uh, but during lockdown, <clears throat> I did comedy quizzes as well. So I did Facebook Live where I'm, I'm waiting on emojis if they laugh, you know, and that was a right. slight delay. Then Zoom, I did a, a lot of gigs with Zoom, and I said to you off air, it was, it was fine, it was great, but when, when people laughed, whatever setting it was on, when they laughed, they were the loudest person in the squares uh, in the Brady Bunch thing, <laughs> and they became the center of attention. Yeah, right. And they, a lot of them got self-conscious, so it was kind of, it, they were quite difficult to do. So when we came out of lockdown and went back gigging, I was only too uh, delighted to delete the app altogether. But then last weekend, I had to do a charity gig in Ireland at 6 a.m., so I was back on Zoom. But that was charity, so I, I didn't really mind. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, but it's the way things are. A lot of people are used to doing it. It could be a lot worse, you know. It's funny to think about how this year has impacted people differently. And I, uh, as I said to you before we started, um, I was doing some work around the Dunedin Fringe Festival before the last lockdown. And there was big yeah. conversations because it kicked in right. Like basically there was planning meetings of can we get through three or four days or do we have to lock down now? So it was that close to the start of the festival. Yeah, I was booked in. I was booked in. For last year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you'll know that you'll know the conversations from Gareth and the team that went out to people. Um, and we were... I, I, they, they kind of pulled me in to see, could we do some live streaming? Could we do some streaming stuff to try and make it a, a virtual one? And I think the consensus in the end was, especially for stand-up, you know, without yeah. those without those people in the room, it's it's just poo. You know, you need them there, which is yeah. why we're seeing, maybe it's a bit different now because America seems to be opening up again, but through that period, they were doing things like, uh, you know, the drive-in. And even though the drive-in's kind of a bit virtual, the person's still up there on the stage, even though you're sitting in your car and they were figuring out ways to just get an audience in front of them to do stand-up, which, uh, which I think is probably the one art form that is most dependent on that immediate response, I reckon. Yeah, it was. The, the, the drive-in thing, I'm glad I never did it. I get anxious uh, driving and being stuck in traffic. So <laughs> being on stage, when people laugh, they hit the horn. And that it's not a natural reaction. Your brain, I can't, I, I couldn't handle that. But yeah, we're quite lucky. Like the way we've dealt with it in New Zealand to be able to jump on stage as early as as mid year last year, and and it was uh, the you know the the effort they went through to clean every single mic between every act and, and yeah, for all sure. the hygiene. Stuff. Yep. But uh, but yeah, it's just nothing. You can't compare being in front of an audience. And even doing the Needham Fringe this year, interacting with people, getting them up on stage, 
which you kind of have to be careful about. We take it for granted again because we're that far away from the big lockdown. But yeah, we, we realize how lucky we are, especially when we share stuff and our comedian friends like in the UK and Ireland and in America are just sending us, you know, can you stop sharing videos of you on stage, <laughs> you know? You feel bad. It's also what you get acclimatized to as well, isn't it? I had, um, I spoken to in this in this period, in this kind of, I guess, twelve to fourteen month period, I spoke to a couple of bloggers that came to live in New Zealand from America. Um, his dad was a Kiwi, so he had every right to be here. Uh, he's got New Zealand citizenship. His wife came with him, and they've moved to New Zealand. So they weren't just escaping COVID; they were. It was the plan to move here, and he yeah. was saying because they came straight from Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, I guess, being a bit more progressive and, and liberal, really took the wearing the mask and social distancing, say, more seriously than perhaps what we're hearing they were doing in the in, in the middle of the country, in the flyover states. Yeah. Um, he yeah. said land, just landing in New Zealand and driving the bus from the plane to the airport and seeing people walking down the street without masks on almost put them into kind of a a very mild version of PTSD. They like they couldn't figure out because yeah. they become acclimatized to it. And for me, for example, I haven't. It's not that I'm going to PTSD, but I've now done about a hundred episodes since the start of lockdown. Probably yeah. not ninety of them have been on Zoom. Before yeah. that, the first seventy-five-ish, I did one on Skype, and it's yeah. the, it's the whole and and I've gone from going oh no, I don't want to fucking do it on on Skype or it wasn't even Zoom then it was only really Skype before yeah. lockdown to going actually it's quite nice kind of getting up out of bed and doing a podcast in your pajama pants and yeah. not having to worry about it so I'm I've kind of flipped I've kind of become quite accustomed to doing the Zoom thing and I'm quite enjoying it from a podcast point of view Yeah it's not a bad thing like my uh my my lady friend uh, teaches English to foreign students so when it happened she lost a lot of work instantly uh, because she was in a classroom but then it got to a stage where she could work at home and like that a lot of people realise I don't have to wake up at 6 in the morning and get a bus and walk and go to work I can actually do what I do at home a lot of people I know the people who uh, who run Zoom here that had the franchise oh, wow. they used to come to quiz and uh, a day would have you know, all of a sudden they just got obviously really busy. It was crazy once when Zoom took off. Yeah, it's but it is. It's with Zoom, it's not that bad. I've done radio interviews. Uh, I've I've a low attention span, so sometimes I forget. I do stuff with Radio New Zealand every now and again on the on the panel. Yep. So if I'm in the studio, we can react and interact. But the phone call or trying to go through non-visual, just just the audio, it was it was horrible. So at least with Zoom, you can still react and have a conversation. Uh, so it isn't that bad. But again, yeah, it could be a lot worse. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a my, I'm a bit of a drifter when it comes to thinking. And I know if I've got my phone, so I sometimes sit my phone like on a on a on a cup or something, so the mouthpiece is right by my mouth, so I can just have it on speakerphone. But if I'm waiting yeah. on call or I'm listening to someone talking, and I, and I drift off and start to sort of do something on the internet, I just miss the whole conversation. And now I then, yeah. and then someone throws to me for whatever they want to ask me if I'm in a meeting and I'm like oh yeah yeah that was a yeah was a, that was a salient point, <clears throat> um and it's just yeah it's so easy to do that when you've just got right. audio only and, but yeah the Zoom does help with that. I, I need to see because even if you know if, again it was the, on Radio New Zealand I had to talk about something really serious 
I didn't know what they were talking about. And I went on a different tangent. And I think it was obvious that we did, were having two different <laughs> conversations at once. You know, it was it was a bit embarrassing. But yeah, I, I'm easily distracted. Like I need to be poked constantly while I'm, while I'm speaking. So visual works for me. Yeah, I agree. Hey, now, uh, how long have you been in New Zealand for? Because you're living, you're not like there are a couple of comedians, American comedians touring at the moment who are kind of stuck in New Zealand. But you're now you're you're a, you're a New Zealand uh, Irish no, New here. Zealander. This is this is yeah, home. Yeah? yeah. How long have you been here yeah, for? Uh, I, I I joke on stage ten years legally, <laughs> but I, uh, I I think it's about ten years. I guess citizenship. In May, I couldn't do it last. I was supposed to do it two weeks ago, but I couldn't do it. So I guess citizenship. I have a place. I live here. I own a place, uh, and I'm 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 here forever. I'm not going back. But I do have a few friends that are here stuck. Uh, but they, I, I don't blame them for not going back to Ireland and the UK because they're gigging up and down the country, uh, having a lot of fun. Whereas their colleagues, their peers back in Ireland and the UK, yes, you know, doing doing Zoom gigs and or or not gigging at all. So yeah, I've I've lived here. For about ten years, I reckon. And it seems yeah. that in that in that ten years, you're the only person who's been cast in any kind of role requiring a male Irishman in any kind of drama, comedy, or advert. Would that be a fair assumption to make? From looking at your Skype role, yeah, uh, no, no. Uh, I I I was on Short and Street playing a dodgy Irish builder, uh, which was borderline. I, I accept. I borderline. I could do, uh, but there was a TV role on a show, I think it was called Go Girls, and they wanted me to play a drunk Irish man wearing green waistcoat, uh, and he'd wake up and say something about doing a poo in a cup and fall asleep. And they offered that to me, and I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. But I know the guy who did it. He's an English guy who does a good accent. But, uh, but yeah, there's some stuff I couldn't take. I, you can't do that. You can't do a, a really bad stereotype playing a drunk person. Uh, but Short and Street was the closest I got to playing anything like that. And as a, and other than that, I can't, I can't do accents either. So the t- some of the TV ads where I spoke in, I was supposed to be American. Oh really? I, I just sounded yeah. I can't. I'm, it's very hard to lose this accent. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting way to think about how to do accents. I mean, to think about who does accents and how to do them and what accent. What would be the hardest accent to have naturally? To then convert into other accents, like well, if it's you a- ever watch, yeah, sorry, if you ever watch uh, Michael Fassbender in one of the X Men movies, at the end of it, he gives a big passionate speech as Magneto. But if you listen to it as he's shouting, there's one thing being calm and doing an American accent, but as he's shouting and getting passionate, it ends up because of his Kerry accent comes true. It sounds like he's giving a big IRA speech. From the you know from from uh, from years ago in Ireland. So if you rewatch that, you'll hear the natural accent come out. It's quite it's quite weird. It's quite odd. I tell you the one that freaks me out most of all, and it's 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 not embarrassing that I've forgotten his name because I don't need to be a dictionary on names. Uh, you know, um, played Batman. Uh, uh, gosh, character actor from the UK, but but yeah, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Sorry, Christian Bale. I'm actually quite weirded out hearing his real voice because yeah. I don't I don't know if any of his bigger hits he's ever had anything other than an American accent, and so hearing yeah. him speak in real life, honestly, for the first time, I was like, what the fuck? And it was yeah. actually it was actually a stand up comedian 
who who told the story about one of the extras in Batman because he's a he's a you know when you don't lose character he gets into his yeah, character and he, yeah, and he doesn't yeah. crack it and he, and there's a stand up comedian I can't remember who it was but tells a story of a of a Welshman who was a who was an extra in one of the Batman films and in his in his Welsh accent says oh boy I saw where so I hear you're from Wales I hear you're from Wales what town you're from and and Christian Bale goes I'm from Gotham and he just won't break it at all. And so it's um yeah it's, wow. it's yeah but that was actually quite a weird one to hear him in his natural accent talking because I don't think I've ever seen him in a film with that accent. Yeah, there there is something I know I've seen one film where he had his accent, but I can't remember what it was. But his accent is quite Cockney. It's quite it's it's a shock. You're not expecting that accent. It's weird that you you talked about some stuff that I did uh, and method acting. I did years ago a movie called Six Days where I was a, uh, it was about the uh, the Iranian hostage situation in London. And it's the first time the world's seen the SAS. And uh, Billy Elliot, the guy who played Billy Elliot, mm-hmm. Jamie Bell was the was the, was the the head guy of the SAS, who in real life is hardcore. He's uh, he's not big, but he's, he's a lunatic. I forget, Rusty Fairman, I think his name is. So so we're in makeup and I'm playing the head of Khalees uh, and, uh, and, I'm, and, and I'm Irish. So in makeup on the first day, me and him, me and the, the Jamie Bell had a brief conversation and then he got really quiet and stared at me, like really awkwardly stared at me and then didn't speak to me for the rest of my filming. Cause, and he explained afterwards because he was method because he, he just, he figured out that because he's, He's working class English and I'm Irish. We don't get on. He would have fought uh, against the IRA in Northern Ireland. So we don't get on. Uh, the fact that he's he's working class and I'm educated because I'm in the cops. We were, and he only told me this at the end. But for the whole shooting period, he was an absolute prick <laughs> to me. Absolute. And because and he's small, I'm not intimidated. But he was walking over and trying to... It sounds weird trying to explain it, but if something's on my desk... He'd walk over, look at me, and rearrange it on my desk, my cop's desk, but stare at me like trying to psychologically bully me. And I'm just, you know, I just thought he was a prick. But uh, but then afterwards he explained, no, he was being method. And that's what it was. I forget what actor said this in the past. Like, you don't have to be method all of the time. You can switch off. You know, you can get out of it. It's not going to make that much of a difference. Just act. But it's weird that you mentioned that. He's from Gotham. Christian yeah. Bale. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Gotham. Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, it does depend, though. Like, very famously, Daniel Day-Lewis is a method actor, and there's stories yeah. of him, you know, when he's playing the butcher in that American, uh, the gangsters of New York, and during and during the cuts, he'd be sharpening his knives, sitting down, staying in that altogether. And I guess if, you, if you're going to allow any one person to stay in character, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. When you look at his body of work, you kind of go, well, fuck, it's working for him. So if it's working yeah. for him, fair enough. And other, and other times, kind of, I think what you're hinting at about it, it gets a bit pretentious. There's, there's, there's another sort of in-between stage, I reckon, as well. So in Saving Private Ryan, famously, Matt Damon didn't do all the basic training with the Tom Hanks crew. Um, yeah. So it wasn't method acting, but because he didn't go through all the basic training, like they put them through the army basic training, he didn't yeah. have that relationship with this crew in the film that Tom Hanks was in charge of. So when they did turn yeah. up for this film and Matt Damon's making jokes about them doing basic training, they did kind of dislike him quite a bit. And it wasn't because yeah. of method, it was because he was he, he was sort of embodying uh, not not 
not willingly so, but this character that these guys weren't supposed to like and weren't really wanting to help, and they yeah. did it. But there's one other one. Have you seen, um, and let me bring it up on the screen for people who are watching, the documentary on Netflix, Jim and Andy? I, I don't think I saw it, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Of all about it. Yeah, I've, I don't I've, think I've, seen I've watched this maybe four times. Um, and for people who don't know it is Jim Carrey is not method. Like he's not a method actor. Could you fucking imagine yeah. being method and doing the mask? How ridiculous yeah. would that be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's not method. But when he did Man on the Moon, uh, he tells the story about he was sitting on the beach and the and he was like, how is Andy going to come? And he says Andy came to him in a pot of dolphins. And from that point on, he he doesn't consider it being method. He, he, he kind of thinks for want of a better word i'm paraphrasing but the spirit of andy kaufman came to him and came yeah. into him and so he stayed in the andy kaufman character all the way through that film and it's it's not that he's a method actor and it's not that he was doing method for him obviously it was something more but the documentary jim and andy it, i just think i love watching documentaries on the creative process you know whether yeah. whether it's six days to air about you know South Park or whether it's back and forth uh, the one about the Foo Fighters uh, or whether it's Jim and Andy watching people go through that creative process and what they have to do I find it really st interesting and stimulating and if you haven't seen it that Jim and Andy one is a must see because uh, it's yeah, just, just fascinating it. yeah. yeah and that's a weird one because you, you know method actors and then a, is it is it are they being pretentious that is such a unique one. Because yeah, Jim Carrey, he, he's he's obsessed. He was obsessed. Uh, so he, he he did, and he's he's a bit crazy as well. But I, you do believe that he just because he, he studied him so much, he could be him, you know. But I don't believe pods of dolphins and all of that carry on. But then that part, <laughs> that's, that's part of the that's part of the character, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's still, everything is mental. But I remember seeing that, and I, I don't know if it was Danny DeVito or someone that they said in an interview it was like actually being with Andy Kaufman again. Yeah. There was uh, there was actually there was so actually real. there was actually quite a few people who said that, including Andy Kaufman's family. Andy Kaufman's yeah, parents yeah, were there yeah. and his parents or his sister were there and the, and on the documentary they talk about it's like he's back again. There's the scene which obviously they didn't show. You'd have to be the I don't know, the you'd have to be the worst person in the world to show it. But because he um the spirit of Andy, my words not him, sort of kind of enveloped him Andy Kaufman had had, yeah. a, had a child who the child had never met and there's yeah. a really simple almost throwaway line but when you hear him say it, you kind of choke up a bit and it's something like and she got to spend three hours with her dad and it's Jim Carrey talking and spending time in a closed room no one saw it with yeah, yeah. with Andy Kaufman's daughter as Andy Kaufman so it's just yeah. like, holy crap, that feels like a different level, quote-unquote, method <laughs> to, to, yeah. to sharpening your knives during cuts. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's, yeah that is a different level altogether. That's crazy. I do remember more about that documentary now. The, uh, and it's, it's also interesting that you talk about Batman. Uh, the play, actors that played the Joker, how, a, how a, you know, Jack Nicholson just played the Joker, did, a, did an amazing job. Heath Ledger got fully into it. Uh, arguably affected him, uh, Jared Leto, whatever. Uh, but then you look back at his uh, uh, Cesar Romero, he wouldn't even shave his mustache. Yeah, true. You can see it under the makeup. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's mad, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, different actors. I do, I, I get the method thing, but 
yeah, some of them, it, I, I do think it borderlines, uh, it's borderline a bit pretentious, thinking you're better than you are. Yeah, I, I think it can go that way. But like I said, you know, you look at Daniel Day-Lewis and you kind of go, okay, you I, I, okay, you can do it. You, you seem to be a, out, you know, an, an outlier in that group. Yeah, you look, yeah, I look at other people and you kind of think, oh, you can, you can drop this. I mean, you can drop this. Well, you, you look at, there was the likes of, uh, what was it, De Niro and Pacino and stuff, and you'd believe that up until they started doing comedies. And then you're like, nah, fuck it, you sold out now. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe it anymore. But Daniel Day-Lewis, he went to live as a cobbler in Italy for a few years, just retired and became a cobbler. That is, that's out there, you know? So, yeah, him... And the uh, and the Jim Carrey one, I'd, I'd be happy to go along with and believe. I had a um, I heard a rumor once, and it was probably you know it's twenty thirty maybe thirty years ago, that uh, Tom Cruise I think he did a film called something like Born on the Fourth of July, where he pays yeah. a, a is it a Vietnam vet, and I heard a rumor that he wanted to get an injection to kind of stop his legs working. I mean, it sounds as, as wow. I say that out loud as a as a fully functioning growing up most of the time. <laughs> I, I kind of think, well, injection to stop his legs working. But you, I kind of, you kind of heard those stories. Well, I mean, Matt Damon's a good example. I don't, I don't know the film that he's in, but there's a film where he's a drug addict and he comes back emaciated, you know, like weighing kind of 45 kilos. Yeah, he does yeah. that. I mean, think Tom Hanks did the same in Castaway. So what people do with, yeah. their, with their bodies sometimes is pretty, that's not really method, but it's pretty... Um, Pretty amazing for a role. Full on, and again, Christian Bale did it, where he played uh, Cheney, where he's he's really yeah, and then he was in the Machinist. Is that what it's called? Where he, again, he's really skinny, and your body—that's not your your body. That's a bit much, I think. You know, I think that can affect you uh, long term. But you know, that's if you can if you're willing to do that and you put that effort in. I don't think I couldn't do anything like that. I'm you know, I just want to get up and talk and then finish. <laughs> you know, have a kebab, have a drink. So uh yeah, I don't think I could put that much effort into anything really. There is something very nice about the camaraderie when you're creating something. I mean, I've done more stage work than screen work, but I'm a little bit of screen work. But I imagine I mean you always hear those stories about Leonardo DiCaprio when they filmed the beach and they were in Thailand staying on luxury yachts in a cove where the beach was. I mean, that sounds like the best, you know, 15-week holiday slash earn $10 million while I'm here sort of yeah. uh, lifestyle. And I just wonder if, I mean, I don't, it's not, not that I'm judging, because, I mean, if method is the way they're going to go to get their craft out, so be it. But I wonder if you miss out a lot relationally with people, because there's something about the end of the shoot day, you know, going for a beer, into the production, yeah. going for a whatever, that you you couldn't do if you were going to stay as the Batman from Gotham. Yeah, yeah, you just couldn't do it. I I, I agree. I'm uh, I'm Irish. We socialise. Uh, I I love having a drink afterwards, getting to know the people that you're working with. I think that's more important because it, it, then the whole production is more fun. And when it's fun, it's easy. You remember lines. You you get on with it, and you get the job done. If you're worried that Ray Winston is going to hit you because <laughs> that's his character, yeah, you, yeah, you'll, you'll act afraid or whatever. But it's not going to be. It's just you know, just act and clock off. I love clocking off. I think that's what it is. I just want to clock off and then uh, and then do something different. But yeah, staying in character. Yeah, it'd be odd sitting there drink, having a drink with Batman. <laughs> like, he, pre- he's not gonna. He's not gonna wear the suit when he's sitting in the pub. So it's a. Uh, and, and come to think of it, right, I mean, 
I like talking to my kids about art, and and it's very clear that when we're talking about art, it's about you know multiple genres, multiple styles, whether it's a painting or a song or a you know a, a, a an, you know a, a film or whatever. There are other places where people act, but other than movies, there doesn't seem to be anywhere else where people are method. I've never heard of a stage show actor doing a big long run on Broadway, staying method. You know, like um, yeah, yeah, the 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 oh gosh, his name's jumping out of my head now. Um, you know, he's just done a Hamilton. He he didn't stay as Hamilton for the full run of the of the show that he wrote and directed and you know starred and sort of thing. It's I wonder. I wonder that maybe that leans to the pretentious side of it. People don't stay yeah, stay stay in that method thing unless they're in the biggest budget Hollywood films. See, that's interesting because I didn't. I never thought of that. And you have a lot of movie actors that do stage work. Uh, so a lot of them, I'd 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 look that up because there must be some movie actors that are known as being methods who would have done uh, plays on Broadway. That never even crossed my mind. So when Christian Bale's working on uh, on stage, I'm just looking, I'm just Googling Christian Bale on stage. Um, yeah. Does he stay method the whole time? And if you do stay method and you're acting like, you know, as a, as a cowboy, do you have to go home in a stagecoach? Are you allowed to get into a car? How, yeah. does, that, how does that work? Exactly. You have to wear your Stetsons. Like, what, what do you do? You tie the horse up outside. <laughs> I don't know how far it goes. You have to eat tin beans on a campfire. I don't, know how, I don't know how far it goes. You know, you're gonna call it if you're playing a cowboy and you go home and and your your wife cooks you a lovely Sunday roast. You're like oh, fuck. You know, forget being a cowboy. You're gonna have have dinner or a takeaway or Chinese food or whatever. And there has there has to be a point where you make them crack. You know? <laughs> like if they're playing a vegetarian and you put on the best roast lamb the world has ever seen. Or it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you know, some people may choose to. Do. It's it kind of it's a bit of a tenuous link, and I, as you know, and as people who know, who listen or watch this podcast, there's not often a lot of you know direction of this. We just talk about stuff. But I'm going through an interesting kind of thought process at the moment about. Um, in fact, I did one on St Patrick's Day. You know, when we talk about um, oh, what's the word? My brain's not working very well today. I've got a I've got a puppy at the moment. I'll come back to this. Yeah. And and it's like having a baby. And for people who yeah. know that I've been talking about having a puppy here, look, I'll show you. She's actually under this is this is puppy cam. This is under my yeah. this is under my um my desk right now as I'm speaking to you. They're my my yeah, feet and fat legs. So I'm I'm my, my brain's a little bit like having baby brain because um I've got a puppy who's keeping me active at the moment. She's just been toilet trained, and so that's why I've allowed her in the studio today. Um, so uh, some words not sticking well head very good um, so I've even forgotten what I was about to talk about when I was about to talk about it oh that's right you know when you talk about um, taking someone else's culture what's that word if anyone appropriation. has appropriation we talk about yeah. appropriating things I put a text out on St. Patrick's Day St. Patrick's Day and I said if you've ever complained about someone appropriating someone else's culture and you're currently fucking dressed in green getting drunk at lunchtime with no ties to the emerald isle then you're a fucking hypocrite because because it makes me think about and then i said uh as an aside by the way st patrick wore blue fuck yourselves um so i this idea about um being method actors and sort of coming and that 
for me, I'm going down this thing at the moment about what, what we can and what we can't do. You know, there was this news about Sarah a few weeks ago getting in trouble now being called ableist because she used an actress to play a part in a short film who was autistic rather than an autistic girl. And I'm sitting here yeah. going, I mean, like, look, just I'm, I'll follow the rules. Just give me the fucking rules, right? If you give me the rules, I'll follow them, right? If that's what we're saying, if we're saying uh, an, an, an able-bodied person can't play a disabled person, I'm actually fine with that. But what else does that mean? That means um, that, you know, Cliff Curtis can no longer play, you know, sort of, he, he's well known for playing sort of roles <laughs> roles from the Middle East because of his yeah, skin yeah. tone. He, that's not his culture. That's appropriation. Yeah. Uh, lesbians can't play straight women anymore. That would be yeah. appropriation. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. what about all, yeah. so Spider-Man Tom Holland, he, he uses an American accent. That's an appropriation yeah. of an American accent. And so yeah. I'm just trying to go through this thing going, what are the rules? Give me the rules <laughs> and I'll and I'll abide by them. And, I mean, you're a stand-up yeah. comedian. We haven't talked much about comedy. But it seems to be an area that a lot of stand-up comedians sort of, you know, they make, uh, what can you joke about? What can't you joke about? What is it okay for this for this white, quote-unquote, cisgendered male talk about? What is it okay for this person to talk about? And it's, it's, it's I, I did say it with a tenuous link, but it's something that I'm thinking about a bit at the moment. Yeah, oh, it's massive. Uh, you, you've said a lot there, and there's so many different directions you can go in. It's such a it's such a weird thing. The St. Patrick's Day thing, first of all, it, it, it is what it is. It's always been that. And when I lived in Ireland, uh, we loved it because we'd get foreign people come over to Dublin. We went out to town, and when you were single, you you loved it. You know, <laughs> you went out. They were over looking for whatever. Kiss an Irishman. It, it, it was great. Yeah, it was it was great. It's weird when I came here, I, I slowly changed my mind. St. Patrick's Day here wasn't the same as I experienced in other countries. Uh, uh, that's kind of hard to explain. There wasn't, I think New Zealand is a, is a bit of a Presbyterian history when it comes from the white side. So if you go to America and you're Irish, they hear your accent and they, they love it and they want to buy drinks and what are you doing here? I visited my friend in Pittsburgh. Nobody could understand why I even went to Pittsburgh. I didn't pay for a drink the whole night. <laughs> uh, and what I Canada and a few other places. But New, New Zealand on the most is is quite, is, comes from a Protestant kind of, uh, when it comes from the English or the British. So there's not, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Irish people here. Yeah, but there's, uh, it's the only place in the world I've experienced anti-Irish stuff. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a long story. It's happened. I get used to it now. But it's, uh, so because of that, I think I changed my mind. Like St. Patrick's Day, I won't wear green anymore. I used to, I used to give my green tops to all my mates. We'd go out, hats, whatever. Now I, I don't really, it doesn't bother me as much. But, uh, but if, if someone uh, complains about somebody else dressing up as a Mexican, uh, and Cinco de Mayo or whatever. Exactly. So you can't do that. It's the same. But at the minute, because I think it's because most of us are white in, in Ireland, it, it's not on par. So if I, cause if, if I walk out and someone does my accent, uh, they wouldn't do uh, someone else's accent from a different, a different culture. They wouldn't do an Asian accent or a Mexican accent because, uh, but I think that's, I think when people uh, look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, groups of people that were tread upon or whatever. Even though Irish people have had it, but you know, not as bad as Africans and other cultures that have had it a lot worse. 
for longer. So but, I think. But on that, on that, but on that point, and I won't use the word because I don't feel it's the right word to use. But you know, my 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 ancestry is in Belfast, right? Um, yeah. My 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 grandparents grew up on the Falls Road, which was the centre of the IRA troubles. You know, that that's where my ancestry is coming coming from, and um, yeah. definitely the Catholic side, so the Irish sort of roots of it. Um, but I, I know that my cousins and you know great aunties and that kind of stuff who came from Ireland in the sort of forties and beyond talked about uh, the Irish being considered the N words of Europe. So yeah, whilst it's yeah. not whilst it's not the same, and I, and I'm not saying it is a parallel. No one quote me on that. The Irish were certainly considered the the uh, well the way it's been told to me the sort of lowest of the on the totem pole. Can I say totem yeah. pole? Talking about culprit, am I allowed to say totem yeah, pole say anymore? Totem pole. All right, lowest on the totem pole through Europe. Sort of thing. Yeah, it, it, it's quite an odd one. Uh, so, uh, right when I've, like I said, I've been around the world and never experienced it. Uh, I, I've, I've experienced love, and uh, you know, when you go to countries, you go, oh my god, I love the Irish, and it was, it was a culture shock. It was a mind fuck when I first came here, uh, and one, was, I just landed, uh, and we were in a cafe, and the lady was asking, what are you doing? You're living here, you're moving here, blah, blah, blah. But it was her closing line as she walked away. She said, well, welcome to New Zealand. Don't worry, there's no guns here, so you'll feel safe. And we didn't click what she meant by that. But I think she she seen a video of the Troubles right. and thought that was Ireland forever, you know? <laughs> then another time I was selling, I was working for a mobile phone company and I was being trained how to use the, the tail system. So I'm cracking jokes and trying to make a jovial while I'm 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 struggling to do my job, and uh, and and and, I, and she wasn't even old. It was a youngish, uh, probably in her thirties or forties, and she just said out loud, "Typical dumb Irish don't know how to do stuff." Uh, and I, because I was in a job job, I couldn't react the way I wanted to react. But stuff like this has happened a lot. But I have been living here for ten years, so it is going to happen quite often. But uh, I've had a, I had a lot of different experiences like that. But yeah, the St. Patrick's Day thing, it doesn't bother me when people dress up because I see it as a celebration. If they dress up and start doing stupid accents and start, you know, but then it is what, you know, it has an audience in, in Dublin. It kills me to see it, but there's a leprechaun museum in the middle of Temple Bar. It's horrible. Oh, no. It's but it's aimed at tourists and, and it makes money. And there's a guy from whatever in the world dressed up as a leprechaun getting photographs on the street. You know, I, I don't know where you draw the line. People got to make money. Well, and let me just state this really clearly. I'm not saying don't celebrate my patron saint, Patrick. Yeah. You know, my, I'm named after, like, my, my family's so Irish, Irish Catholic, that my yeah. three sisters' middle names are Marie, Maria, and Mary. My yeah. three that that shows how Irish and my mother's maiden name yeah. was Mulligan. You know, you, you can't get yeah. you can't get much more in there. But you make a really He's interesting great. point about the about uh, for people who don't know because Mary is part of the Catholic Church. He, you know, so that's why all the the three names. Yeah. Um, you speak about the accent and, and look. Let me make this clear. I'm always careful to make sure people are clear. Joe Wheeler is a, a Otago rugby player, and he made a really stupid comment in the weekend where he put on an Asian accent. And he talked about oh, really? it. He, he put on a, a Japanese uh, nationals playing for Otago Islands at the moment, and he talked about him performing really well. 
So it was awful. It was oh. it wasn't smart. It wasn't funny. He was trying to make a joke. But I, as you're saying about putting on the accent, if it had been an Irish international, and he had said something like "Oh, fiddle dee dee, didn't he do well?" Yeah. There, there wouldn't have been noise about it. There would have been no yeah. noise about it. Now, I'm not saying this to defend Joe Weather and what he did. He's a moron. It was stupid. But this comes yeah. back to my point about just fucking tell me the rules. Because in theory, yeah. in theory, in theory, if you can't say Lily and you can't, <laughs> I'll make yeah. that clear, you can't, then surely oh. you can't say St. Patrick either if, yeah. you're, if you're not Irish. So what are the rules? Tell me the rules. I'll abide by them. But the problem at the moment is we have a, a, a culture and a society that is um, saying, well, you can't do this with that group, but with that group, it's okay. With this group, yeah. the thing I'm, I'm ardent on at the moment is I won't be judged for uh, decisions and opinions I had in my 20s and in my teens. You, yeah. can, you can judge me if I broke laws in the 20s and teens, that kind of stuff. Like if I committed some horrific crime in my 20s and that got out yeah. now, Fair. If I had a horrific opinion in my 20s, you can go fuck yeah. yourself. At the yeah. moment, people are being, and I'm not going to say cancel culture because I don't want to be a part of that world, but people are having impacts on them today based around things they said, tweeted, thought when they were fucking teenagers. A girl just lost her job as the editor for Teen Vogue from a tweet she made when she was 17. It's That's ridiculous. Funny. Yeah, that's that I that I struggle with. Uh, I I was happy being an idiot when I was young. Uh, you know, the, the, you don't have a clue what's going on in the world. You just and then I went to college and I got a degree and then I was you know properly educated and then I look back at some of the stuff I I've done and said then, and I'd never shared it with anyone. I'd never shared it. I'm glad there's no there was no cameras, but stuff that you thought was funny <laughs> with your friends. Yeah, and you're like people change just because like. You got educated or whatever. You, you don't have the same views that you had back then. And then there's some stand-up routines. I did for my for my media degree. We made a comedy sketch show, and it hasn't really aged well. There's a couple of <laughs> comedy sketches in it, but you look back, and even you look at some TV programs that that are you know they haven't aged well. Some jokes, some routines that I used to do was really funny. I had to go through YouTube and cancel. Uh, I'll cut them, get rid of them, you know. So a lot of them are gone now because the stuff, you know, every the goalpost keeps on changing. But but I think it's quite easy, right? I I, I kind of I didn't nutshell it very well before, but I'll, I'll put it like this: Don't you dare judge me by the standards of the nineteen eighties when I was in the nineteen eighties as a as a, yeah, as a school really, yeah. kid. You can judge me by the laws of the nineteen eighties. Yeah. I'm fine with that, right? If I if I committed some horrific act. And and I had got away with it. And it came, I'm fine. Judge me by the laws. Don't you dare judge me by the standards. Because even in that, and we can come back to stand up comedy now. There seems to be some people who are feeling the effects of those sorts of things. You look at the Kevin Hart's of the world who had to give up the Oscars. Uh, you look at the guys who did Little Britain. I loved Little Britain. What yeah. an amazing piece of art. They came yeah. out and apologized for some of the stuff they did, based on today's standards. But then you look at Eddie Murphy. If you look at Delirious, I there, watched it last week. there are some horrific things said yeah. in there based on today's standards. But for some reason, and I love Eddie Murphy, I've probably seen Delirious 40 times. It was yeah. one of my staples when I was a teenager. Yeah, but but he gets, he gets a, a green light. He's not being yeah. judged by those standards. 
Yet Little Britain is apologising for a for a an over the top character that in the nineties we all yeah. knew was silly and irreverent, and we also actually know that it's not appropriate today. We can do both. We can go. Yeah, it was really funny. I laughed at it at the nineties, and it wouldn't be appropriate today without having to then judge and uh, measure that person uh, in the nineties by today's standards. But but Eddie Murphy, you know those jokes about the gay community and AIDS, no problems. Let's keep going. Yeah. See, I watched that. I loved watching it as a kid and I hadn't seen it for years and it was on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we couldn't believe it. I went, oh, fucking Eddie Murphy, I haven't seen this in years. We were we were shocked watching it because of what you were saying. Not that it's, it was shocking, but it was shocking that it was, of all the programs and, and stuff that's been cut from Netflix over the years, uh, cancelled, if you, if you can say cancelled, there's still stuff like that is out there. I'm trying to think of an example. There's a couple of songs where they they use phrases and words in the songs. Uh, Elvis Costello, uh, I can't remember the song, but he uses a uh, you know anti uh, anti African American word in one of the songs. Whereas every year you have Fairy Tale in New York, the debate over that one. Do you know what I mean? So there's some songs that they still I don't no one has picked up on yet. You almost feel like people are waiting to pick up on it to go, oh, I, I, I cancelled that one. That's cancelled because of me. Yeah, Twitter, you know. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I was baffled. And then we start watching Peter Kay, you know, Peter Kay. Yeah, yeah. English comedian. I fucking love him. And we start watching his old uh, TV shows. And again, on, not on par with Eddie Murphy, but there was some sort of jokes in it that was very funny and really funny at the time. But you look at it now and go, I don't know if you can quite get away with that. But I, you but know, I, but I think I think we've just answered it. I think we've just come to the conclusion together. You can, it's like, you you can have two positions. You can go. I've said this before on the podcast, so I'll say it again. I've said the N word hundreds, if not thousands, of times because in the eighties, I. Um, bought, listened to, sung along with gangster rap. I still have my yeah. I still have my NWA album sitting upstairs yeah. that I bought in Queen Street in Auckland in 1989 from a, an American import. I've still got it. Now I've never said the N word about someone or to someone or use it in an aggressive way, but I've said the N word thousands of times because in the 80s and 90s you sung along with Snoop D-O-double-G or with Ice-T or with Ice Cube or with N-O-B. Now I still sometimes play those music and guess what? I, I don't say the word when I'm singing because yeah. it's, a, it's a different time. I can I can have, it's not all encompassing, right? You can go, I enjoyed that in the area era it was appropriate. Since then yeah. we've moved out, it doesn't apply anymore. Now, if someone, yeah. if someone hears me say that, that I've said the N-word hundreds, if not thousands of times, and they want to make something of it now, well, I can't be cancelled because I have no profile, so it doesn't matter. Um, but it's it's the reality of, I'll, I'll fight tooth and nail. If you, you're not going to judge me for what I did 20 years ago based on today's yeah. standards. You're just not. I'm not it's not going to happen ever at any stage for any reason. Yeah. It's weird, and it's like when you use the phrase, there's a lot of phrases you can't use, even though it's... So if you say it was up to time, you know, you know, pitchforks, you can't say it was up to time and stuff. Like it's it's weird, you know, when you're growing up and you're I was I was around my granddad and he'd use phrases and 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 words that uh we thought was, you know, you couldn't say that. Uh uh 
and that was my granddad and we thought oh we'll never be the same but now we're reaching that age where there's stuff that we that was okay when we were kids to say that you can't say anymore it's yeah it's on like my, my granddad used to call us queers but he didn't mean it in a, in a gay way or, or whatever. It just meant we were queer look. We were odd looking kids. We were really ugly kids. Uh, queer looking. But it, yeah, yeah, but if, yeah, queer, queer. And he said queer. So if he said that, now you know, cancel your granddad. <laughs> you know, you can't say that. But it's just a word that was okay of the time. That didn't mean you know what what people perceive uh, that means now. I, I also think maybe it it says speaks more to the people who are trying to get rid of the things and i'll use a word that might make some people feel uncomfortable and i'm sorry if it does but it's not a it's not an end level word um but the word retard has been taken away now the reason it's been taken away is because of the relationship that some have given it to the down syndrome community in particular the thing is when i was growing up Man, I sound like a fucking boomer. I'm not a boomer, Gen X. But when I was growing up, I never once used the word retard in relation to a, the Down syndrome community. Yeah. And, and if you look at what the word means in the dictionary about lacking in intelligence, I used it at, towards a friend when they were being a fucking idiot and showing yeah, yeah. less intelligence. When they were being a retard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, other, and- the, the other thing is there was a lot of, and I don't want to get into this fucking debate, but there was a lot of conversation not too long ago about J.K. Rowling. And talking about her um, having a new book out describing uh, a man in a dress and the transgender community got up in arms about it. And I went, I've never once in my life thought of a, a transgender female, a, a, a male to female transgender transitioner as a man in a dress. For them to even say that that's what that means, I'm like, well, hang on. But, but if you think that's what that means, isn't that speaking more about what you think? I've never, yeah. I've never once thought, you know, a, a, a transgender woman is a man in dress. Never once, never even entered my mind yeah. until there was a big hubbub about the story about a man in a dress apparently referencing that meant trans that that she was accusing this person of being transgender and yeah. yeah so so I sometimes think about the bigger conversation and it comes back again to this idea of. You didn't think you'd be getting into this conversation when we started talking about comedy, did you? Um, this oh, conversation no. around just give me the rules, and I think yeah. I think that I'm, I'm I'm probably quite lucky that everything I do is quite small and off the radar, and I don't have much profile because because it also gives you the amount of freedom to kind of go, well, nah, fuck it, I'm not I'm not going out to hurt anyone. I'm not going to use words to hurt anyone or attack anyone, but I'm also not going to be judged based on my thoughts and language when I was 25. And hanging yeah. out with boys playing basketball. Like, that's the other thing. I spent a lot of time in South Auckland, and, and I'd play basketball for 30 or 40 hours a week. The N-word yeah. got thrown around the court there, yeah. left, right, and center. That was the culture of yeah. that. So and you can't be you can't be punished or called out for, for Eve for saying that, you know, that long ago. It's weird. I've, I've two little stories. One happened quite recently, and this, uh, on, on the same... Of what we're talking about, I'm talking about my dog. Uh, I had him in the there's a uh, there's a halfway house pub near me, and it's where I was telling this story, and it's a true story where uh, it's where some of the now the ladies of the night will call them for the sake of the conversation. <laughs> ladies of the night start. I'll tell you what I said now, uh, and they kind of start off there, and it's fine, and it's the best beer garden in Auckland. 
but no one really goes there because it's a halfway house. So I'm sitting there with my dog and my friend and the lady came over and said, can I rub your dog? And she rubbed my dog. He goes on his back straight away. And I cracked a joke saying, uh, I hope you don't charge me for this, right? And it was funny and we laughed and that was it. I told that story uh, that weekend to a group of friends. It was a few couples, but I used the word prostitute. And I said, and there was a prostitute that was there. And then someone in the group told him to be quiet and said, it's a sex worker, you can't say prostitute. And I didn't, I didn't want to get into the debate. I just said, okay, whatever, carried on. It's not even that funny a story, just carried on. But the fact that she was trying to stop me and call me out for using the term prostitute, which is like, again, what you said, tell me the rules. I didn't know I'm not allowed <laughs> to say prostitute anymore. I'm pretty sure that is the correct term, you know? Uh, another weird one, a really quick one. In uh, this happened to my friend in Ireland, and he's he's he, he's beardy like me, and he's got big curly afro hair, and he was on stage, and he tells a story, uh, and this is he tells a story where a drunk fella spilled out of a bar and seen my friend Alan, his name was Alan, and he called him a black bastard, right? Because Alan has the afro hair or whatever, and then that's a true story, and Alan said his joke is. I don't know if he was a bad racist or just a really bad racist because he didn't know because Alan was white. Everyone laughs, whatever. It's really funny. But one woman in the crowd sent an email to the guys that run the comedy gig, run the comedy night, saying uh, she was offended. And she's white. I'm offended by that guy's racist joke. I was aware of a black man in the room and he, he felt awkward and I felt awkward for him. The black man in the room was our friend. <laughs> He's a comedian as well. He's, his name is Martin. He's heard the joke a million times. And he's from Dublin. He sounds Dublin. You know, he looks classy. He wears a suit. Uh, so this is this one lady that was offended, just created this whole uh, a whole imagery and environment in our head, which was completely different to what was going on for everyone else. And it's because of social media, they have the power to share it, and then it could kick off and kick off and whatever, you know. It's nuts. I tell you something at the moment, I think Dave Chappelle is a light on the hill because he he, yeah, he, he, re he really doesn't give a fuck. He really, yeah. really doesn't give a fuck. And and the thing so about it, he, he's um he's he's powerful in his message and he's obviously, if not the best stand up comedian in the world, he's certainly one of yeah. the, the top of the yeah. top at the moment. And the thing that's great about him is he he could not give two fucks, and he does yeah. what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And I, and, and look, I don't want to sound like I'm now flipping and being hypocritical, but I I can understand someone being uncomfortable with a joke, and that's fine. And I can understand the idea of you don't need to ingest that content, but I can also understand the idea that if there is something really wrong, sometimes it can start with one person. You know, so yeah. I can I can kind of see the overall conversation, but I guess what I'm going is, and I've said this 12 times now, show me the rules. Just to expand on that a little bit, I'm like, show me the society's rules. Like, I don't want to care about, I don't care about what, you know, the the, the liberal white arts brigade, their rules, yeah. that they want to impose on society. I'm like, well, let's have this conversation. And quite often about these issues, I've said it several times on this podcast, I'm like, I don't think we've got the language for this conversation a lot of the time it's like one group saying one thing one group saying another thing and actually somewhere in the middle is where we should meet and until we get that language we can't have the authentic conversation until we until we find it um yeah and i and i'm like 
this is not when we're talking about I guess sociological issues in that quite often there will be an ardent group of militants who want to tell everybody else what's going on and from that can come good change but it can't come uh, it can't come with the, the rest of society's arm twisted up their back so let's have the conversation let's figure out what we want as a community and let's let's move forward I, I think if you talk to most people no one really wants to hurt people or harm people or bring people oh. down none of those things that we don't want that but we also don't want to be told um like the example i use is i watch a lot of american political um television and there was obviously a couple who was um an elder, older white couple right and they were protesting against um antifa they were standing in a in, in the in a, in a uh, like in a field like a, a town square holding up the American flag. And some members of Antifa went past them and they were like, fucking racist, you're fucking racist, da 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 da, da. And my response was, well, they might be a racist couple, this elderly couple, but holding an American flag is not the metric to decide that. Yeah. that that's not how you decide if they are or if they aren't. And I think so much yeah. of what's happening at the moment is people are making very big decisions and making very big calls about other people based on very little evidence other than the yeah. evidence that they decide is all encompassing. I had, I had it on stage. Uh, I, I pronounced the place name wrong. Uh, and I was accused of being racist by a lady in the front yeah. row. I, I, cause I said, I said, tower, I don't know. I don't even know what I said now. Tauranga. And I didn't say the, the, I didn't say it with the accent, which I find odd that you have to say it with an accent. Cause you don't say, oh, I'm going to land on, you know, you don't put on different accents for different Barcelona. You don't put on different accents and try and speak yeah, yeah. like the locals. So I, I find that odd. And I said, my daughter lives in Tauranga and the drunk woman in the front was like, that's racist. It's Tauranga or whatever. And she was white. And I'm like, just I didn't say anything else. I was like, I'm not racist because I didn't pronounce the word the way you now pronounce the word doesn't mean I'm racist. I have, a, I have an accent. <laughs> it's a speech impediment compared to how you speak. I, mean, I, I can't say certain words, you know. It means I'm Irish, and this is how I speak. It means I'm Irish. <laughs> I've fucking, you know, I don't. If someone, if someone mentions Dublin with a different accent, and the Kiwi accent, there's the vowel change. If they say uh, Dublin or whatever way, I don't correct them. I don't go. Oh no, it's Dublin. It's a strong U. I know what they mean, and I'm not. That's it. Everyone's happy. We we carry on, you know. It's uh, it's yeah, it's quite odd where people are quick because a friend of mine doing a show, he's 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 here. He's one of the lads stuck in New Zealand. Uh, he's a, a Scottish comedian. We're gigging a lot together, and he's done a show in Edinburgh for a few years called uh, Bald Man Sings Rihanna. Oh yeah, so he's a white bald man. Yeah, and, oh yeah, he he was down it. Yeah, and he's and he's he's great. We gig a lot together. Uh, but and this this got no traction. But he got a screenshot and sent it to me where. It was some someone went on a long rant saying he's a, he's racist because he's appropriating black culture. Rihanna is what Barbadian, uh, and he's a white bald man. He has no right to even sing that song. And you know, we're like, what is going on? Just leave people alone and let them. It, it, like that does that mean I can't sing uh, James Brown and karaoke? <laughs> you know, is that is that where you're going? It's like karaoke is going to be like strongly judge you're like oh, i want to sing i want to sing uh, louis prima oh no you're not 
you're not Italian or whatever. You can't sing the Jungle Book song. You've got it's mental. You've got you two and the Pogues. There you go. Off you go. You'll be happy, won't you? Yeah, but no one wants to sing you two. That's <laughs> shit. No, they're all right. But it's just, it's just a bit, it's just a bit mad, isn't it? Where people are just ready to fucking. I think I sang Elton John once in uh, in K Road, and it was a fella shouting at me because uh, I, I didn't know what he was saying. But now I'm starting to get paranoid, thinking, am I not allowed to sing Elton John because I'm, I'm not gay? Oh, I don't know. Again, I don't know what the rules are. It's yeah. a good song. I love singing it. But isn't that the, that this? We're coming back to it. Just give us the rules. Just give us, yeah, give yeah. us, the, give it, give society the rules, right? And then we can go in and debate it, and yeah. then we can come out with a conclusion. I just, have a debate. Not have someone shouting at you. You know, not have someone go, "No, nah, you can't say this." You know, <laughs> I can go on about Irish history and what Irish people have been through. And there'll be someone quick to go, yeah, but you're white. And then you go, oh, so that's argument over. You know what I mean? And you've seen it when uh, the, the, the people that, I think humans are in, in hereditarily, hereditarily uh, we're all, we all have a bit of arsehole in us. You pick on someone. You're not punching down necessarily, but you pick on someone. And that's the way it's been forever. It was the Irish getting picked on or whatever. Loads of different, even in Ireland, different cultures. Now you're not allowed to do that. And the very people that uh, that you kind of change that, then they have to blame stuff on someone else. And I think that's where the OK Boomer shit comes from. So all of a sudden, you're not allowed to be racist and you're not allowed to be sexist or prejudiced. And they're like, well, who can we pick on now? Old people. Yeah, <laughs> fucking old people. You, you're the reason why we can't afford a house and stuff as they're drinking a fucking triple mo- mochaccino. It's, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, there's... I don't know. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm I'm going back in my day. This is how it used to be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong completely. Someone said to me the other day. You know, there's that old adage, which is, um, if you're not liberal when you're young, you've got no heart, and if you're not conservative when you're older, you've got no brain. Someone explained it to me much better the other day, and and it's not quite as pithy, but they went, typically we are more conservative than the next generation. So I'm I'm Gen X, so typically yeah. Gen Y will be more liberal than me. So to them, I seem conservative, whereas I'm far more liberal than the boomers, who are more liberal than the than the um you know the war babies. So yeah. it's I mean I'm uh, it's it's actually the classic example. What are you doing, mate? Oh, she's gone. Oh, she's back there. Come here. Um, <laughs> she's going for going for a wander. If you need to go, you need to go to the toilet. Go outside, puppy dog. If you need to go to the toilet, go outside. Um, if we're there, she is there. She's waking up. She's having a look around. People who are watching. Um, it's so it's more that we're. It's not that you need to be conservative when you're old for a brain. It's that you are more conservative when you're older than the generation that comes after you, and that typically yeah. what happens. So therefore, when you have these conflicts between, you know, at the moment Gen X seems to be. I'm Gen X. Gen X seems to be sitting in the middle of everything. Um, Gen, you know, it's the millennials and the Gen Z who are attacking the boomers and and, and the Gen Xers seem to be kind of sitting in the middle with a foot in each camp on some levels. But yeah. I guess once the Gen Xers become the boomers, then it's going to be Gen Z attacking the Gen Xers for being, you know, racist old homophobes. So Yeah, I think there's something in I think there's something in that. There's uh one I think a lot of us, even when I look at some of my family, I don't know, but if a lot of us uh very liberal, especially when we're younger, because we're like, oh, it's too much work. How am I ever going to get a house? How am I ever going to get this? How am I ever going to get that? And then naturally, I'm only talking from my own experience. 
you, 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 you realize, oh, fuck, I have a kid. I have to work more. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. I have to do that. And you automatically start kind of growing up. And then, then you're like, why should I give, why should I share my wealth with those kids who are lazy? <laughs> so I think you, you kind of go through a natural sort of thing. But then when I look at my parents, who I, I exactly what you said, when they were teenagers, they, my dad knew everything I was going to do before I did it. He knew when I walked out of the house, I was going to camp in a fucking field with a girl. I'm like, how did you even know that? How did he know what I was doing? Because he did everything and he did a lot more than me. He did, that generation did all the drugs, uh, <laughs> had all the wild parties, had the orgies, had everything, you know? So, uh, but we still look at them as, oh, they're conservative because they have a house, you know? And they, they're working, they're working as best they can. They don't have a pension anymore. Pensions are gone. So they're still trying to work up until they die. Uh yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Hey, it's been a. I, I, there's, there was. It's so funny because how we literally have this thing going on that we um, don't really have a direction of the conversation. There were some things I was going to talk to you about, but I reckon, I reckon we've had a, a pretty good chat. And yeah, I didn't realise it was it was gone. Yeah, this is like um, this is this this is this is like a little TARDIS. Well, it used to be a TARDIS, so it's more like a retardis, to be honest with you. Um, can you I can because it's technically correct. It, it was it, it was a, it was a TARDIS in the past. Um, hey, come here, dog. <laughs> My dog's wandering around the studio now. Come here, come here. She's gonna go and do something in the corner of the room. There she goes. Come here. Come here, come here. Oh, no. come here mate. Yeah, come here. Come here. This, is, this will be good for people who are listening and not know what's going on. So, oh shit. I just broke Where? a bunch of stuff behind me. Where? You're Where? right. Come here to me. Oh, come over here. Come here, look. Come here. Come on. Oh, there we go. Puppies. Puppies to say goodbye. We'll come up Puppies. to a, we'll come up we'll come up to a two shot. So we can see dogs in both windows. Oh look at that. What's your one's name? Uh Ramsey because of his wrinkles. He's got a really wrinkly face. So after Gordon Ramsay, the chef. (laughs) Perfect. This is Nala. Nala because she looks a bit like a lion. Oh, nice. That's my name backwards. Nice. Hey, well, listen, uh, if people want to find out more about you, um, this is quite difficult to do this with a dog on my lap. Website is almcelroy.com, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y.com. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've enjoyed this a great deal. I'm pity I missed you when you came down to Dunedin, but I'm sure you'll be back again through, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, anytime you want. Anytime you want to talk to you, <laughs> you're all right, mate. You're all right, mate. Here you go. Go outside and go to the toilet. Um, it's funny, people who are listening, that was, that was me talking to my dog, not a person in the thing. <laughs> um, we will, I'd love to catch up again soon, continue the conversation, have other conversations. Yeah. It's, it's what we do, and it's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you, and um, I'll just... I'll just go and cut all your bits out and listen to your lovely Irish accent for as long as I can. <laughs> Ma- make me think of my homeland. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> all right, Al, all the best. Cheers, man. Thanks a lot. All right, team, thanks for uh, being with us again uh, this morning. That's us for another one. This episode was brought to you in part by Betty Boy's Coffee. Betty Boy's Coffee is fresh roasted coffee direct from Dunedin Roastery to you. If you'd like to purchase some coffee, then head to bettyboy.nz slash doc to make your purchase. If you're a coffee drinker and you're already buying fresh roasted beans, then maybe you want to try our roasts and support this podcast. bettyboy.nz slash doc to get your Betty Boy Coffee and help us to continue to make 
the Department of Conversation. The Department of Conversation brought to you by Behemoth Brewing. If you're in Auckland and you want to check out uh, who they are and what they're about, then you can head to the actual home of Behemoth Brewing. It's Chirley's Brew Pub. You can go there and try out their different blends. You can also uh, get a feed as well. Head to chirleys.co.nz, C-H-U-R-L-Y-S.co.nz. If you want to just visit them, because you're in Auckland, they're in 1A Charles Street, Mount Eden. Uh, If you know Dominion Road, at the city end of Dominion Road, it's kind of behind the Target furniture uh, up there. I say up there because if you're not aware, I am in Dunedin. All right, team. uh, Sonia Gray is going to be coming up in the next podcast. Sonia Gray, of course, uh, probably known New Zealand wide, especially in my house for Lotto and various bits and pieces, but also recently signed to the cricket commentary team for Spark Sport when Spark took over the cricket commentary. So Sonia Gray on the way. Uh, Next week, uh, comedian Nick Rado is going to be in as well and a whole bunch more interesting people. If you want to find out who's coming up when, a really good way to do it is to head to the Facebook page and like that page, and then you'll get updates as to who's coming up when. And um, apart from that, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Department of Conversation with behemoth brewing and um be safe out there wherever you are in the world be safe uh look after one another hug a loved one watch something on the telly that'll make you laugh now that was andy and me as a documentary or there's delirious both on netflix at the moment certainly in new zealand hopefully they're on netflix where you are as well andy and me will be because it's a netflix original product so uh that's there as well thanks again for joining us looking forward to seeing you next time until then Hooroo.